three days ago, I was going through my Bible reading in the morning. And no, it was Saturday. So I guess four days ago, I was just reading the Bible. And out of nowhere, I felt that still small voice in my heart say to me, you know why most people don't want to pray? It's because they don't ever get prayers answered. And out of nowhere, that voice came to me. Like, you know why most people don't want to pray? It's because not very many of them get their prayers answered. And I thought, okay, that's interesting because it was, you know, I was nothing to do with what I was reading. But I have found that if you spend time in God's written word, you hear his spoken word all the time. I keep telling people that if you want to hear the voice of God, get in his book. Because <laughs> the whole Bible is the written voice of God. You guys get that? Because it was all God breathed, according to 2 Timothy 3.16. The whole, every word in the whole Bible was spoken by God. And if it was spoken by God, it was thought about by God because God always speaks his thoughts. And anyway, so God out of nowhere says to me, you know why most people don't want to pray? It's because they don't get their prayers answered very often. And then I said, okay, it must be you, God. It's weird, you know, it's out of nowhere. And then he goes, you want me to tell you why? They don't pray the way I told them. And so then I just opened up my journal and I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, just nine scriptures that the Lord told me to jot down. And then I kind of looked at them, okay, you guys. And so what I'm gonna do is just share with you what the Lord shared with me on Saturday. And I hope it blesses you. It's really encouraged me to go back to believing we have what he says we have. So we can use what he says we can use instead of always depending on him to do stuff that he told us to do. And so I'm going to start in Mark 11. So let's go to Mark chapter 11. Okay, Mark 11. You guys ready for this? And verse 12. On the next day, when they had left Bethany, Jesus became hungry. And then seeing from a distance a fig tree in leaf... He went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Okay, now that's a key phrase because disciples listen to God. Do we believe that? How many of you believe if you're a disciple, you listen to God? My sheep hear my voice, right? The ones who hear the voice of the bridegroom are the friends of the bridegroom. Do we believe that? The man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word, right? That proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And so if our life is listening to his voice, then we need to be hearing his voice. I will make just a little small notification on verse 13. If you study this area of the world's fig trees, they never leaf without fruit. And so there's something going on with this tree that 
it's appearing to be something that it's not because anytime in this part of the world that a fig tree leaves it has fruit at the same time so in some sense of the way this is a hypocrite tree it's got some kind of a outward you know reputation it's not what it is <laughs> and so jesus doesn't like it so he curses it right okay <clears throat> then they came to the temple and this is the second time he drives out the money changers remember he turns it over the tables and he gets out a whip and he kind of shows some righteous anger and i don't want you to go whipping people at your church but i will tell you that there was a time that jesus was very angry here and yet he never sinned so there's a time to be angry against wickedness not people wickedness injustice atrocities you know there's a time for that right because it's not sin to stand against things that god hates and we, but if we're going to do it the way god does it god always loves the people okay so but that's not the lesson i'm just setting the context so verse 19 and but by the way let me let me start with verse 18 and the chief priests and the scribes heard this and they began seeking how to put him to death for they were afraid of him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching and so the context is jesus is walking towards the temple with his disciples he sees a fig tree that doesn't have fruit so he curses it right and then he goes in the temple and he turns over all the money changers tables and he gets throws them out and then the religious leaders are trying to figure out how do we kill this guy right so jesus's ministry is creating lots of hostility you get it like they were mad like all of us have had people mad at us probably that didn't try to figure out how to kill us there's a difference between someone being mad at you and people trying to figure out how do we kill this person so Jesus has taken irritation to a whole nother level. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Anyway, that's not the lesson either. I'm just trying to set the context of where Jesus is at, okay? So verse 19, and then when evening came, when they left the city, as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. And being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered from the roots up. So let's stop here. First of all, if you were walking with someone and you just heard him because it said his disciples heard him curse a tree and within 24 hours the tree's dead because you walk by the same tree 24 hours later with the person who said be cursed and it actually worked wouldn't that be weird like if I was walking in Louisville with Melissa in her RV park and she says, see that tree over there? And she cursed it and we took a walk the next morning and the tree was dead. 
all of a sudden I would try to get Melissa at all my healing and deliverance conferences as the main speaker. Anybody that can curse the tree and it works within 24 hours has an anointing on them. Would you guys, would you guys agree with that? And so the disciples are like, holy smokes, Jesus, the tree you cursed is dead. And here's the point that God was making to me last Saturday morning. What Jesus says next explains to his disciples how to have powerful results with your words. Most people don't pray because they usually don't see results to their prayers. And Jesus' answer to Peter and the disciples in these next few verses are the key to having the same kind of results with your words that Jesus had with his words. Okay, you guys tracking with me so far? So let's just pick up the story here. And Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. So the first key or the first secret that we find of how in the world can we speak to things and they'll die within a 24 hour period? How can we have that kind of results? Obviously it starts with faith in God. So whatever we got to do to get ourselves in faith is a prerequisite before we ever say a thing about what we need done. Would you guys agree with that? For some people to get in faith, what do you do? You worship, right? You sing. Some people would pray in tongues. Some people would start quoting scripture. Uh, some people would lock themselves in a room and just meditate on God. Some people would read the word, right? I think one of the best ways maybe to get yourself in the faith of God is start recanting all the things that God's word says you have. Like let your tongue be the pen of the ready writer that inscribes his word on your heart. Let what you say out of your own mouth. You know, Romans 10, it says you can believe in your heart, but you got to confess it with your mouth, right? And so what we say to ourselves, what God's word says about us probably gets us in faith. Would you guys agree with that? Like, like for instance, Ephesians 1, 18 through 20, I have the power that raised Jesus from the dead inside of me. Well, that would be something that would help your faith. If you, if you really said that and believed it, would that help you believe that you have power? right? Or Ephesians 3.20, there's the power working inside of me that can do more than I can even imagine, right? Like it's past my imagination and it's already working inside of me. That would help our faith. Would you guys agree with that? Come on. Or like Colossians 1.27, Christ in me, like Christ is in me. He's in me. Are you kidding me? God's in me. God's in me. Like, how would you not have faith if you really believe just that verse? Am I yelling? I didn't mean to yell. This is a Zoom call, man. Um, how about how about um, how about this verse? Second Thessalonians uh, two fourteen. The glory of God's inside of me. How about this verse? Second Peter one two. I have the same faith of the apostles. It's already inside of me. 
How about Galatians 2.20? I have the faith of Jesus inside of me. Uh, how about 2 Peter 1.3? I have everything I'll ever need for eternity for life and godliness already inside of me. How about 2 Peter 1.4? I can partake of the divine nature anytime I want. Come on. How about Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whoa! How about Philippians 4.19? All my needs are supplied for eternity according to his glorious riches. How about 1 Peter 2.24? By his stripes, I was healed already. Did you guys know there's about 8,000 of these verses in the Bible? And Jesus starts his answer to Peter by saying, have faith in God. And we all know, according to Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, right? Or the word of God. Well, if we have a whole book that's his word, then we could hear it if we just say it to ourselves. So I guess what I'm actually trying to encourage all of you, 43 people on this Zoom to do, I'm trying to encourage you to speak the word to yourself so that you have faith in God and not how big your circumstances are. Are we tracking so far? Are you with me? Because I really don't have that far to go today. This lesson really is a simple lesson. I had a, I had an interesting, I had a four hour service last night. <laughs> I probably will have one tonight too at IHOP. And after the service, three of the people came up to me and said, you know, we've heard lofty teaching for the last 15 years. You make it seem like a fourth grader can understand it. And I think that we don't need lofty teaching. I just think we need truth that we can make it our truth because truth sets us free. Are you guys tracking with me? And, and so have faith in God. And then he says, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. So you notice what he says. If now, let me set the context again, because this is so simple, I don't want us to miss it. Jesus just cursed a tree, and it worked, because the tree died. And Peter says, look, and he's overwhelmed. And then Jesus says, if you want those kind of results, you need to have faith in God. Because if you really have faith in God, all you got to do is speak to the problem, and it has to move. But you have to believe in the words that you say. Here's a very interesting prerequisite. If we don't believe in our words, there's no way our mountain's gonna believe we believe in our words if we don't first believe in our words. Isn't that good? If you don't believe your words are actually backed up by all the power of God, there's no way your mountain's gonna believe it. You have to first believe it. That's why the verse says, whoever believes what he says. That's why we have to start with faith in God, right? Not faith in 
our ability to say stuff, not faith in how much scripture we know. Come on, not faith in how holy we're living, not faith in how much fasting we're doing. Come on, that's all right. That's all Pharisaicalism. It starts with faith in God. And faith in God comes by hearing what God said. And if we actually believe it, then our words will have so much power that we'll actually start believing what we say will happen. And then they'll happen. Is this awesome? Man, I feel happy, you guys. Now, here's an example of what maybe Mark 11, 23 would look like. Would you turn with me to Acts 3? And let's just look at what Mark 23 or 11, 23 would look like. Acts 3. And Peter and John are going to pray, right? At church, they're heading to pray. And there's a beggar there asking for money. He's been there, you know, his whole life. That's his job. He's a beggar. And in verse 4, it says, Peter with John looked at this guy and said, look at us, look at us. And so this is interesting. I want you guys to know this. It What, what I am discerning in this age of fear in the church is nobody wants to act like they really believe God can do anything. They're just hoping somebody else does. I mean, everybody says, please pray. And then people just type, I'm praying, but is anything happening unless somebody actually believes that they have the power of resurrection inside of them, so they're willing to say to a person who needs help, look at me. It's not arrogance, you guys. It's probably the greatest humility to actually believe you have what the Word of God says you have. Most Christians, oh, I don't have anything. I'm just, I'm a nobody. I have no power. I'm just, it's all about God. He's sovereign. He's in charge. I'm just a beggar. And you get nothing because you don't believe because the Bible doesn't say you're just a beggar. The Bible says you're married to God. The Bible says you're the house of God. The, the Bible says you and him are one, just like him and the father are one. That's what the Bible says. And, and so they say, look at us. And then he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them, right? Now, this is my, one of my favorite verses in the whole New Testament, verse 6. But Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I have. But what I have. Man, that's pretty bold. Do you guys think that's bold? Looking at a guy who's been crippled from birth 40 years, and Peter doesn't even wait to see if he's going to get healed or not. He actually believes what Jesus was teaching in Mark 11. He's getting ready to say something here, isn't he? What I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. He didn't say, Lord, heal his paralysis. He didn't say, Lord, give him money. He spoke the name of Jesus and he commanded him to walk. He just spoke to the mountain. Now, guys, you be honest with me. If somebody came to most churches in America and said, what I have is what all of you need, 
I think they would get run out of 99% of every church in America. Isn't that weird? Like if somebody walked in the pulpit where you guys go to church and they stood up and they saw the need and everybody, and they didn't say, well, open your Bible. I got three points and then we'll have a family prayer time and whatever, but they just stood up and said, what I have, you need. And they started just speaking <laughs> my word. They would get run out of every church, you guys. Come on, am I right? Like we have so watered down what the Bible says we have. The power that raised Jesus from the dead. I would say that would solve every problem if we actually had faith in God, if we actually believed we have that power inside of us. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is what that verse means. The reality is he is in you by the Holy Spirit. He's in you. But the hope is we'll believe it enough to let him flow through us and touch the people around us. That's the hope of glory. He's already in us, you guys. He can't lie. Hebrews 6.18, God's word can't lie. If he says, I'm in you, if you're a Christian, that means he's in you. So the hope is we'll believe it enough to be able to speak to impossible situations because we actually believe that he's in us. Can I get an amen or no, can I get a handshake or a hand wave? Somebody wave a hand at me there. I just want to make sure you guys are with me. I don't want to waste your time. So what I have, what I have, you notice he didn't say it's me. It says it's something I possess. There's a difference, you guys. He's not saying it's mine. It doesn't come from me, but it's been given to me. It's something I possess. It's something I have. Right? And he says, walk. And then he grabbed the man by the right hand, raised him up. Immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. And he's walking, leaping, praising. So it's pretty amazing. Like, you know why I think Peter did that that way? Because six months earlier, he watched Jesus kill a tree with his words. <laughs> And then he said, like, what in the world? And Jesus said, well, if you want to have the results that I have, you got to believe in me first. And if you really do believe in me, the evidence will be you'll speak because my power is always voice activated. All you got to look at the Genesis account and you realize the whole universe is here just because I talk. So my power is always voice activated. And now my body's you. And so if you don't have faith to actually believe you can speak things into existence, then it renders my power null and void because it's always voice activated you guys get that and and so some people say well that would be prideful if you did that in a church well look at look at verse 12 but when peter saw this he replied to the people men of israel why are you amazed at this or why are you staring at us as though by our own power or holiness, we made him walk? So right there, Peter's saying it's not our power and it's not our holiness. You guys get it? He, he wasn't saying it's me. I mean, Peter knows his frailty. He's the one that denied Jesus three times. Remember after he bragged about never leaving him? Peter's the one that 
was in so much fear, he cut off, you know, Malchus's ear. Peter knows himself. Peter's confidence didn't come from, you know, it says in Romans 7, 18, there's nothing good in my flesh. Well, that's true for all of us. If we think we got it, we're, we've already lost. Come on. But if we actually believe we have what he says we have from him, that's a big difference. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. And, and so it's not by our power. It's not by our holiness. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you handed over and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and put to death the prince of life? Whoa, is Peter bold? I mean, guys, think about this. This is the guy that was afraid of a little girl by a campfire. And now he's saying this to the people that have power to throw him in jail and kill him and he doesn't care. He must have faith in God now. You get it? Like he must really have faith in God. Like he must really have heard what Jesus said in Mark 11. And so, and so look, look what he says. And God raised him from the dead, a fact to which we are all witnesses. And here's, here's Peter's answer for how he had power to heal that lame man. In verse 16, and on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus, which has strengthened this man whom you see and know and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Isn't that amazing, you guys? Last night I was sitting in the foyer of IHOP U waiting on our service, and I was kind of going through these notes because I, I preached a different message last night, but I actually ended on Mark 11 as my last illustration. And the emphasis I'm teaching these Monday nights in January to this group I'm teaching like 40 people is how to hear God. And, you know, I said, you can't hear him if you're pursuing it in the flesh. If you need outward signs, that's carnal. You can't hear him. Last night, the emphasis really was you can't help but hear him if all you want to do is delight yourself and love him and romance him. Because if all you want is him, all you'll hear is him. Okay, so that was the theme last night. But the results, you guys, that I was trying to show him was if our lives are not supernatural, then we're just superficial. If our lives are not supernatural, that means we're just superficial. Because if we're hearing God, His Word has power to do anything. All we got to do is say it. And it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, right? And so I'm sitting there kind of going over these thoughts in my mind before the service. It's like a half hour before the service. And um, this little family walks by me this mama who has two girls, one's eight and one's five. I don't know him. I don't know him, but she goes, Hey, you remember me? I go, no. <laughs> and she goes, well, I came to one of your Tuesday night services because my daughter got healed in one of your services at forerunner. I said, Oh, that's cool. And she goes, well, this is what really happened. 
She says, we were actually watching a recording of one of your services. And all of a sudden you stopped your preaching. You said, somebody's back's being healed right now. If that's you come over here. And she said, my daughter was in her bedroom, but she heard you say it on the TV and she felt her back instantly healed. And so she came into the living room and said, mom, my back just got healed. And so she'd been in back pain for her whole life. She's an eight year old little girl. She actually prayed over me last night in the foyer. Anyway, when the mom saw her daughter's back healed, the mom says, well, I think he's doing Tuesday night services at IHOP. So because God's word healed an eight-year-old girl's back, it gave mama faith to come to a Tuesday night healing service to receive healing for herself. So the mom comes, I don't remember this, but she goes, I was here about three months ago. And I said, okay, and you prayed over me and you prophesied that I wouldn't be afraid anymore and have no nightmares. And she goes, I've been in fear my whole life. And I haven't had one nightmare since that Tuesday night and God healed my fear. And so then they left and then they came back and they said, Hey, we want to pray over you. <laughs> I said, okay. Well, that would probably be supernatural. You guys, what do you think? If a little girl's back is healed and a mama's fear is taken away, that's not what we can do. It's what we have. We have that power in us. Do you get it guys? Come on. We have that power in us. Yesterday, I, I had the opportunity to go sit in the prayer room from one to five. And so I knew I could get four hours of prayer in because the Lord do, told me to do two and a half hours a day. And I thought, man, I can get some extra prayer in today in case I miss some days. So I had, a, I had an open slot. So I was happy and I got to the prayer room and I started feeling depressed. Like, how am I going to sit here for four hours? I started getting depressed because I've been hearing everybody who's sick because I've been hearing about everybody dying because all we hear is things that cause us to be anxious and anxiety filled. And nobody says words that build up our faith. Everybody says words that try to make us give up. Right. And so we hear, everybody hears it. We're all hearing it. It's all around us. Nobody even acts like they have the power of resurrection inside of them. Everybody's acting like we're just pawns on a chessboard, hoping we can make it. And that's the mindset of the corporate church now. Like there's more fear than there is faith. Come on. There's more concern than there is confidence. There's more anxiety than there is anticipation. It's like we've lost our way. Like the world's gone berserk and the church is in the middle of it. Come on. And I'm sitting there in the prayer room, just discouraged. And the Holy Spirit whispers to me, you know, this could be your best four hours you've ever experienced. I said, how's that? He goes, what are you feeling? I said, I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling worry about everything that's going on. He goes, well, how do you counteract that? Go opposite. I said, okay. He goes, why don't you just put a little post on Facebook that you're willing to speak against anybody's physical impairments and believe for healing. Just put a little post on Facebook and see what happens. And in the next four hours, I had a chance to pray with like 800 people. 
and it went into five hours and I was 10 minutes late for my six o'clock service. And I've never had more fun in all my life because I didn't pray, I commanded sickness to leave. I declared healing to come. And I actually practiced what I preached last night for five hours. And I've never felt more energy in my life, you guys. I felt like I was actually being levitated in my seat for like five hours because I was living Mark 11, 23. I was speaking to mountains. I wasn't talking to God about how, how big our problems are. I was talking to problems about how big our God is. There's a way to pray that doesn't wear you out. And it's the way that Jesus told the disciples to pray in Mark 11. You guys get it? There's this verse, you guys, in Isaiah 45, 11, you can look it up. And, and the last part of the verse says, if we'll get the word from God, in other words, if we'll get the knowledge from God about, he wants us, about what he wants us to know, we can command him concerning the work of his hands. What does that verse mean? That's a verse that means if we believe that his word is true and what he's telling us to do, we can speak to things and it moves his hand. In other words, his hand is his power. You know, that's why it says in the book of Acts that the right hand of the Lord was with us. That's his power. The hand of the Lord always refers to the power of God. Well, if we actually are hearing from God's, his words, we can speak and we command where his hand goes. In other words, we can channel God's power with our words. So when someone comes to you with COVID, you can command COVID to leave. When someone comes to you with cancer, if we really have faith in God, come on, you guys, I'm really going to stretch us here. If we really have the faith of God, we can command cancer to die because Proverbs 18:21 says we have the power of life and death in our mouth. We have the power of life and death in our mouth. We can command Parkinson's to die. We can command dementia to die. We can command diabetes to die. We can command bodies to live. We can say the word of God if we have faith in God. We, did you notice I'm saying we? It's time for the pulpiteers to not be the ones doing all the work. It's time for the body of Christ to rise up and actually believe we have what he says we have. It's time. Like, has there ever been a better time? Has there ever been more darkness? Has there ever been more wickedness? Has there ever been more fear? It's time to shine. What do you guys think? Like, I'm one guy in the prayer room and I'm getting a thousand prayer requests in five hours. One little statement. What if we all did it? Whoa, man, it might look like revival. Yes. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm not yelling, buddy, because I'm mad. I'm just happy because I just think revival's in us. It's in us. You know, Luke 9, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them all power and authority to go out and heal all sickness and all disease and get rid of all demons, right? He didn't say go pray for sickness and disease and demons. He says, I give you power and authority over it, right? 
In Luke chapter 10, he gave 72 others the same power and authority. So all the way through the Bible, Jesus never told anybody to pray for the sick. But over and over again, he told them to heal the sick. He told them to heal the sick. Well, how do we do that? By speaking. But put your hand on them and speak. If, you, if, you're on, if you're on Facebook, you speak it. If you're on a Zoom, you speak it. If you're in person, you put your hand on them and speak it. But don't go, oh God, you're the only one. And if you don't move, we don't have nothing. Well, that does that's nothing that Jesus taught. He didn't teach that. He said, if you have faith in me, speak to the problem. Speak to the mountain. Tell it. It has to go. That's what Jesus said. Here, let me give you let me give you a, a little story. That maybe it'll help us land this plane. I don't know what time it is, Melissa. Oh, it's only ten oh eight. Good. We're gonna have time to speak. We're gonna have time to speak today. I have a house I live in that has like a light in every room. It's pretty amazing. All you gotta do is flip a switch and lights come on. It's pretty awesome, you guys. I got an oven, like you just set the temperature and it works all by itself. I got a microwave. It's an unbelievable microwave. You push this one button and it goes 30 seconds immediately. You push it twice, it does a minute. It's like it's, it has its own brain. It's just crazy. I have a TV that I can watch the Chiefs play Sunday night at 7.15 against the Steelers. I mean, I have all this stuff and I never worry about it working because I have power to my house. You get it? I have a power to my house. Like, I don't ever worry about the power unless my wife forgot to pay the electric bill, right? If, if she didn't pay the bill, then the power gets shut off. But if the bill's paid, now I couldn't have power to my house unless my house passed an inspection, right? Like when we built the house, the inspectors came out to make sure they had the right kind of wires and the right kind of breakers. That if power actually got hooked up to the house, it wouldn't burn the house down, right? So you have to make sure that you're ready for the power. Well, the analogy of a house being ready for electricity is a Christian who's baptized in the spirit has passed the test. Now God wants you to have his power. That's why he gives it to you, right? But here's the point. When I go like to my office in the morning, I usually get in there about six o'clock and I flip the switch. I don't pray about, I wonder if, I wonder if the switch is going to work this time. I just know it's going to work because there's power to my house. And I think the reality of Mark 11, 22, have faith in God is all of us getting to the place where we're not going to worry about, I wonder if my words will work this time. If you have the power that raised Jesus from the dead on the inside of you, and he said for you to use it, then faith is you just flip the switch because the light always comes on. And obviously it's not your power. Obviously there's a power source that's in you, right? Like, Greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. There's a power source in all of us. Do you guys agree with that? But we have to use our faith and our words to flip the switch. Am I right, you guys? 
like if I took this light bulb, I'm not going to do it because it's hot. I have a light right here. If I took that light bulb out and put it in my mouth, it wouldn't work. I don't have power. I don't have power. But I have God's power. If I operate by his laws and his laws are belief, his laws are faith, his laws are confession, right? His laws are do what his word says. As long as I stay within the laws of God's power, he can't lie. Like he can't lie. Like if I like if I went to the microwave, you guys, um, and I put in like sometimes when I have late services at IHOP and I get home at 11 o'clock at night, I always hope my wife went out to eat because I like to eat her leftovers and she likes Mexican. So usually there's like an extra half of an enchilada or a burrito or something. It's happy. It's happy food, right? When you get home at 11, Mexican. Does anybody else like Mexican or am I the only one? Okay, there's four people that like me. No. Okay, now the truth's out. Okay. And so if I went to the microwave and pushed the button and it didn't work, I would never think to call the power company. I would think, wait a minute, there's either a breaker blown or somehow it got unplugged. What's the point? It's never on God's end that stuff doesn't happen. It's not the power source, you guys. It's do we believe? Do we believe in our words? Because if we actually believed in our words, what we were speaking to would believe in our words too. So that's the whole lesson. And I don't want to be a beggar. You know, being poor in spirit is not being a beggar. Being poor in spirit is realizing you do need his power. But once you get it, you get it to use it. He doesn't give you his power to keep it in quarantine. <laughs> he, he gives you his power because he wants you to use it. People look at you like you have two heads when you start commanding things to leave instead of praying like everybody's always prayed, you know, because when I pray this way for people, sometimes it, well, wait a minute, that's, are you sure that's prayer? You know, that's sometimes people say that to me. Well, that my parents and my grandparents didn't pray that way and bless their hearts. You know, they probably love God with all their hearts, but they probably didn't know what the word really said because Jesus didn't say, ask God about your mountain. Jesus said, speak to your mountain and Peter shows us that it works and all through the ages there's been people that actually believed enough to speak things and there's power in our words you guys we have the power of life and death in our tongues and so I'm just trying to raise up a bunch of believers who believe I'm just looking for believers who believe so we can speak the things that God wants us to speak and see the things that God wants to happen, happen. Because it's his power, his glory, his name, his fame.
to be in the flesh is to be on the wrong frequency. It's God's plan for you to prosper. And so Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. I heard the voice of God one time speak to me, and I prophesied into a lady, and her dead baby came back to life. I heard the Word of God speak to me one time and told me to pray three times for a person, and during that same time frame, he came back from the life from the dead three different times. And my father-in-law was with me when we were actually praying. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me he was going to heal a lady with ALS, and he healed her that same night of Lou Gehrig's disease. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me he was going to get rid of a demon off of a lady who had 12 diseases. And that night the demon left and she was healed of the 12 diseases. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me to get up and do a healing service at my home church once on a Wednesday night. And he grew a lady's lung back who lost a lung. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me to tell a lady who was dying of cancer that the cancer was gone and God healed her. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me to prophesy into a lady who had been hurt by the church that God was going to heal her and God healed her and her husband blessed us substantially. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me to do a public confession service of sin and it resulted in God endowing our ministry. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me that my wife's desires are as important as his and God provided a supernatural vehicle. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me one time prophesying to a pastor and I got the largest love offering I've ever gotten. I can tell you thousands of stories of when I heard the voice of the Lord and it was always a supernatural outcome. And I can tell you lots of stories where I have many regrets and it's because I did what I wanted and I didn't listen to God. No regrets when you listen to God. Nothing but regrets when you listen to yourself. And I just hear him saying, come to me. If you come after me with all of your heart, you will find me. So I'm going to pray a blessing over you before we leave. So I thought, Father, I thank you for these amazing men and women that are after your heart. That's why they're on a Zoom. They want to know you more. They want to hear you clearer. They don't want to be busy <clears throat> with earthly stuff that keeps them from the supernatural presence of God. So give us wisdom, give us discernment, and then give us willing hearts to obey you. The greatest thing we'll ever do is what you tell us. Give us willing hearts to obey you. And then just speak. And we'll do what you say. We'll say what you say. We'll take the risk. We'll be fools for Christ. We just want your name to be glorified. So I bless every man and woman on this call, their families, I pray that 2022 would be the year that revival breaks out in all the families. All the places where they minister, all the places where they serve. 
that every lost child will come home. This will be homecoming year. Every lost grandchild, every lost sibling, every lost spouse, every person in the family that's out of the family right now, that this would be the year that we see the salvation of the Lord. So I bless you, Papa. I thank you for sending your spirit. live in us to speak to us to guide us to empower us to heal us to deliver us may our lives be a sign and wonder for the world around us i pray in jesus name amen